Football is back, and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Trust me. Really? Yes. Have I ever let you down? Not in the sound context. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Nuring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah? Joyful as ever. Yeah, yeah. Protein in the morning, coffee, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. good and sharp. Good and sharp. Strong <laughs> and stable. Strong and stable. Pace and power. <laughs> Pace and power. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Actually, this is right. I saw Mbappe's goal against Finland. <laughs> The first thought I thought was, oh my God, they're going to call it pace of power because it kind of was, but kind of brilliant. Anyway, yeah. Listen, sometimes... It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Saw you yesterday. Lovely seeing you in real life again. Been too long. It's been a week. Actually, yeah, that's the first <laughs> time I've seen you in Berlin for a while, actually. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Because I've been in London for a month. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, your book tour. Yeah. Are you going back on tour again? Are you doing like, you know, more... Dates added due to phenomenal, overwhelming public demand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you know who's do you know who all, all the demands from? It's all from me. I'm trying to hype up the UK market <laughs> a little bit more, so you just get out of my way for a bit. <laughs> You're like those people that buy tickets to like Trump rallies. Oh, they yeah, don't turn Musa, up. You should go, Musa, You should definitely go and do more shows in the UK. I think it's. I think it'd be really good for you. I think it'd be really good for you, actually. <laughs> I think. I think you should definitely do more, more shows. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! I love no, you no. really, honestly. No, it's fine. Actually, this is actually we should get to admin. Let's do some admin. Uh, well, first of all, we hope everyone's staying safe and well and getting vaccinated. Forty thousand cases in Germany yesterday. Yeah, man, I can't wait for my booster. Yeah, I mean, I give it me, give it me <laughs> in my veins. Stadio newsletter went out this week. If you haven't signed up, go to stadio.football. Scroll down to the bottom, and you can pop your email address in and sign up for our. Our weekly newsletter. A lot of fun it is too. Yeah. It was lovely. Great I job, managed Great to job. compare Musa to The Watcher, which was very flattering. Career we're, highlight. We're both 
we're both we're both bald. We watch a lot of things, and we've got big collars. So good yeah. jackets. <laughs> good jackets. Yeah. <laughs> Righty's house is up on the Ringer FC feed. Mayoa and I joined Righty and special guest Jamie Carragher. It was a great chat. He was great. Very insightful. That's up in the Ringer FC feed now. Don't forget next week's Righty's House episode will be you and I and Righty and Arsene Wenger. So cool. Uh, I don't know, you wait You wait a load of time for guests on Righty's House and then you get a triple header of absolute legends on the feed. Um, Theringer.com forward slash soccer. You've got a piece going up this week, I believe. I do, just filed. It's about Switzerland. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And why they are the glad back of international football. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros and you find a playlist of all of the music we play out with each episode in one handy playlist. Let's move on to today's show. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the Women's Champions League games that happened on Wednesday because we're recording this on Thursday ahead of the rest of the games. We'll touch a little bit on some international football thoughts. And then we'll do a mailbag because I haven't done a proper mailbag, I don't think, for a while. I always say this and then I just can't remember what, I mean, what is time anymore? What is time? I mean, it's a concept to an extent created by the observer, isn't it? If we're getting into it. Sorry, what? I mean, this podcast has already finished in a sense. It might have begun already. I mean, we don't know. I mean, what is time? It's a negotiable concept. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Women's Champions League. Yes. There were a couple of really, really good games on Wednesday night. Yeah, there were. There were actually. I watched Bayern Leon, which I thought was probably the showpiece fixture of the day. I thought, actually, I thought Hoffenheim Barcelona. Yeah, I agree it was a showpiece. I thought Hoffenheim Barcelona was more entertaining. I think it was weird. It was weird. It was weird. I thought it was more ent- I found I found Hoffenheim Barcelona more entertaining, but I found Bayern Leon more gripping. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think the thing is with Hoffenheim that the the Hoffenheim Barca game, you kind of knew that. I thought Hoffenheim did really well in the first half. I don't know if you want to touch on that super super quick. Yeah. Okay. Very, on to Bayern, very quickly. Bayern so Leon. Hoffenheim nil, Barcelona five. Hoffenheim, I thought, were actually really quite good between the goals. And the way that it's framed themselves, it's funny because having watched the game and then watching the highlights, it's so interesting. If you watch the highlights package, it gives the impression it was just a constant onslaught. And maybe it was afterwards, but in the actual flow of the game, I felt like Hoffenheim acquitted themselves really well. And the thing I think what's great about them, although Chelsea got beaten by a similar scoreline, I think the frustration for Chelsea might be we played a different game and still lost. Whereas Hoffenheim, 
played their own game. And I think mm. with Barcelona, unfortunately, because their movement is so good, because their interplay is so good, they're going to get chances. They're going to go at you. They're probably going to put up three or four. And I would say that the scoreline doesn't give a fair reflection of the quality of Hoffenheim's performance. While at the same time, it gives a fair reflection of Barcelona's performance, if that makes sense. It's just because Barcelona are exceptional. They're astonishing. They are one of the great sides. And we don't realise fully how good, because they've come so fast on the heels of Leon's dominance, I don't think we fully realise. There's always a time lag with great teams, just how good this Barcelona team is. They're going to go down as one of the great sides, all-time great sides, I think. Um, but Hoffenheim, I thought, were really impressive. In particular, shout out to Jill Brandt, I think, who was only 19 and was extremely um, disrespectful in the best sense in terms of just running at the heart of the Barcelona press when they played out from the back. And the thing I loved about Hoffenheim was, even though four goals down, still playing out from the back, still playing their football. I mean, this is the team that beat Leverkusen 7-1 just in the Frauen. So mm-hmm. they, they've got nothing too much to worry about. In particular, shout out for um, Alexis Patelis and Fredin oh. and Rolfo. R- Rolfo's finishing wasn't the best the other night, but everything else was fantastic. And Aitana Bonmati was also, well, just again, brilliant. Yeah, Sorry, right, right. That, that Bonmati goal, the third oh Barcelona my- goal, <laughs> Oh my was goodness. Absolutely mind blowing. Right. Started with Mappy Leo at the back with the ball, starts the attack. They just keep the ball for what, almost a minute? And then all of a sudden you see Leon again, 30, 40 yards further yeah. up the pitch. And just a sign of how Barcelona have progressed the ball and everyone has moved up. Yeah, together. And the way they worked it was so good. And Patelis's role in that goal as well, specifically, I thought was maybe not the best demonstration, but a very, very good condensed version of why she has to be one of the main picks for the Ballon d'Or. Let's be honest, she should have been ages ago, I think. Mm. The way that she kind of linked with Leon in a way of like, they both controlled the tempo of the attack at various points within yeah. it. It was just a super, super impressive goal. If you've not seen it, go and, go and catch the highlights of it because it was, it was a great goal. Probably the goal of the night, I think. What's amazing about Patelis, Patelis stretches the play, attacks the touchline, not like a, um, not like a winger actually, but more like, it's really interesting. Like there are some people, you know, there's hitting the byline to hit the cross in and there's hitting the byline to stretch the play, not necessarily even cut it back, but just to open everything up and bring everything else up with you. And I think in terms of that, she's as good as anyone in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah, they, they, that was, that was a fascinating, well, sort of, it's just great to watch Barcelona's attacking patterns, but yeah, Bayern Leon, this was the game mm. and we'll get to that actually now. I mean, just quickly before we do, in the other game in that group, obviously Arsenal beat Koger 3-0. They kind of left it late to pull away. Two goals in the last 10 minutes. Lottie Wubben Moy mm. uh, got the second. Caitlin Ford was probably offside. Although, but to be fair, they had, they had a, an, on, an onside goal disallowed Arsenal. So it kind of evens out. Does it even evens out. itself up. And then Viv Miedema got a lovely, lovely goal towards the end. Yeah. That's her 25th goal in 21 Champions League games. Actually, I'll say about the Miedema goal as well. The first touch there. There's, you know, that whole thing about the first touch making the finish. That's a mm-hmm. classic example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the first touches like that sometimes look a little bit scrappy. But actually what they do really well is that they lure defenders or goalkeepers to commit. And then they, it's, it's like a, it's a very deliberate thing. It's funny because I watched the first, it's funny when I saw the goal in real time, I was like, oh, that looks scrappy. And when mm. I saw the replay, I was like, oh, when I saw a different angle in the play, I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Because it also takes it away from the defender in a really clever way. Mm. Let's move on to Bayern Leon now then, because so, yeah, yeah. this was a very, very key result because Benfica had pulled off a great win against Hecken early yeah. on in the, 
uh, early on in the evening, beating them 2-1 away, mm. which meant that at kickoff, Bayern were actually level on points with Benfica, Leon way out in front. It was very cagey. Extremely. It felt like a big, big game, which it was. It felt like every third pass was like a duel, like in terms of mm. being contested. And it, it wasn't scrappy in the sense of poor pass completion, which was just because the intensity was so high all over. Like, and it was super balanced. Yeah. Super Bayern, balanced. I think and Bayern, Bayern desperate. Bayern were desperate for this, actually, given the Bundesliga struggles recently. Yeah. And also, like I said before, I mean, they could have, if, if it, they could have been in a really tricky position in that group. Mm. Um, I mean, I still think they probably would have had enough to get out of it with two games to go. You'd expect them to pick up more points than Benfica. Mm. But still, giving them that cushion, they won the game 1-0. Um, Saki Kumagai got the the uh, the only goal of the game against her former club. Yeah. I couldn't really tell if she was celebrating or not because she just got mobbed. <laughs> maybe that was maybe that was strategic mobbing. She did not look displeased. I mean, this this. I mean, I mean, she had a she had a great run at Leon, didn't she? Well, like, like five straight, she did, and then yeah. just needed just needed a change. Um, Even Musa Okwonga couldn't have imagined that five straight <laughs> Champions Leagues. Five straight Champions exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but Bayern were great value for it, and it, they began the game. Isn't they began the game with the intensity that made me? You know, we look at the the result of Roy, like they, they deserved, they really went at Leon, And this is a Leon mm. team that beaten, I mean, and admittedly weakened PSG for various traumatic reasons. Um, they'd beaten PSG 6-1 just the week before. Mm. Uh, but as I mentioned, like Bayern had lost two of the last three in the Frauen Bundesliga and were, were really in a state of jeopardy. And you, you saw that the intensity. What I will say with Leon was, even when they were slightly below their best, which I think they were, it was still impressive, still finding spaces. Cascarino in particular, who is, I think, probably one of my favourite Leon players. Amandine Henri, just organising as she's always done. It was a really, it was one of those games where you can imagine there being like a UEFA technical report on it. Do you know what I mean? In terms of all the duels and matchups mm. and overloads and where tactical battles were won and the ground that Kumagai was covering. Kumagai at one point, Kumagai is funny. So actually the final against Wolfsburg did a similar thing. At a certain point in the game, you're like, you weren't sure what position she was playing because she, she sort of did three different things. You saw her playing out from the back. You saw her arriving late. She reminds me of like eight. a proper, proper old school uh, libero. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I love you. Yeah, absolutely that. Absolutely. Uh, occupying a different point in the game, like sort of three distinct positions and phases of mm. play. So really a sort of anchoring the midfield, playing out from the back, but also like arriving really, really late uh, in the box. Um, which is actually how she got her goal in the um, in the final of the Champions League, actually, against mm-hmm. Wolfsburg, the late arrival. So, yeah, she was she was brilliant. But there were just there were star, uh, sort of star performances everywhere. I want to have a quick shout for Berenstein at Bayern because she's someone who is it's weird to draw parallels um, across with other Bayern players in the men's game. But at, do you remember like Salahamidzic? Salahamidzic would just kind of do everything would plug in in a fullback position, would be leading the counter-attack. Berenstein is a similar thing. I've seen her play as a defensive forward, an auxiliary fullback, as a winger. And she did that again the other day. I thought it was really impressive. Um, she's great for that. He was at the game? Oh, so he was there. Yeah, so was... Um, so was Julian. Yeah, yep. Mr. Nacklesman. <laughs> dressed sensibly, I have to say. Which is he good was, to dressed see. very sensibly. Great crowd as well. It was a great crowd. I want to shout out Laura Benkart as well because she made a couple of really, really good saves and there was a scramble right at the end of the game 
That was proper, brutal. proper goal mouth scramble just before <laughs> the whistle was about to blow in stoppage time, which could have been crucial because there was one point where it was just like, oh, this has to, this is, this is just going in. This is just, there is only one outcome from this and <laughs> that is a like- Leon equalizer. <laughs> Do you know what she looked like? You know, when like, um, in the second Matrix movie where Neo fights all those agents yeah. and they're just piling yeah. on one by <laughs> That was absolutely it. It's like her fighting a thousand agent Leons like piling on and she was just somehow emerged from. I mean, she's such a great goalkeeper, but yeah, she she she, she pulled off some great stops in that game. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, it's not it's not, not disaster for Leon because no. they, they're already pretty much through. But I think they need a point to secure qualification. They're going to get that. They're probably going to win their, their final two games. Um, but absolutely crucial for Bayern that win. Yes, and, very much. Um, so, yeah. yeah, man, it's going to be. I'm I'm really hyped to see who who's who gets through and what the knockouts are going to look like because there are some really good teams in this competition. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of intrigue as to who will get through, some World Cup qualification stuff. Wow. Yes. Yes. Where do you want to start? I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on this because we've you know they happened a little while ago. I mean, we have to give a shout out for Canada because. Our mentions were basically Canadian for about 24 hours. Yeah, they got a great win over Mexico. Who Mexico have not been themselves, I think it's fair to say, but a win over Mexico home away is always impressive because they've been mm. the gold standard for so long um, in CONCACAF. Um, so that's a fantastic win. And just a really great crop of, of Canada players spearheaded by Alphonse Davies, of course, but also, you know, uh, Jonathan David. It's just a great crop they've got there. It's really exciting for them. I mean, there there are a number of parallels with the US men's national team, I think, in terms of probably the best crop of players for a while emerging at a similar time. Mm. It's good to see enthusiasm for the sport crossing over into the men's game as well, because unfortunately, I think often that governs or dictates where investment will go Yeah, still, which sucks. If progress is being made on both, I think that that gives FAs more impetus to actually really, really go for it. Yeah. But yeah, sitting pretty at the top of that group with a few games to go and uh, moving their game a little bit further north so they can make it a bit trickier for Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a couple of questions on this. Obviously, we're going to do a mailbag after the break, but let's. we've had a couple of questions on this game in particular. Mm. Cupcakes and caviar. Does Canada own the championship belt for goal celebrations? Do you know what? Like, I think that... It was, no, actually it, it doesn't, it doesn't, but it was an extremely good celebration. Basically like diving into, <laughs> diving into a wedge of snow at the side of the pitch is, is pretty cool. Celebrations go, I still think the Columbia celebration, dancing at the world, synchronized dancing at the world cup, I think 2018 world cup is still a podium finish for me. That's still mm. one of the great celebrations. Um, and the iconic one of Yekini running into the net at the world cup and just screaming. Oh, that's incredible. Like he and was actually, like screaming one to the of my heavens, favorite, yeah. One of my favourite ones is Burkamp after his goal against Argentina. And uh, I was watching yeah. a little clip the other day of when Wrighty and Burkamp did that, that film together. That, and uh, Wrighty's in, they're in Burkamp's kind of like trophy room. And there's, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. there's a picture from after he scored that goal and fucking Wrighty is just trolling him <laughs> big time. Just like, what's that, Dennis? Showing emotion. Look at you showing emotion there. Look at you showing emotion. Is that you showing emotion? <laughs> but it was I, such an amazing goal, an important goal. And seeing Burkamp kind of erupt with emotion like that was quite rare. Quite rare. Oh, you know, it's fine. Actually, if we're talking about favourite goal celebrations, my favourite goal celebration of all time is when Nigeria beat Brazil 4-3 in the semi-final of the 96 World Cup. And Kanu does this incredible, 
like drunken chicken celebration and like walks off like a chicken that's drunk. And then like, it's so funny, like sort of squawking and then all his teammates just collapse upon him and all the officials like, and all the kind of, I love oh, it when everyone just piles Carney on. was good for celebrations, you know. He did. Oh, um, he was amazing. Do you remember, was, do you remember the, after he got that hat-trick goal against Chelsea? That one oh where he just gosh. blasts it in the top corner over a Rips, rips it. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. And it's just gorgeous. like, he, oh man, he was, he, I, I, mm, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger agent of chaos in men's football I, history than Nwankwo Kanu. Have we done an agent of chaos 11? We, we did the unplayables. Maybe we should, well, we did, didn't we do yeah, the because, chaotic 11? Did you know, we, did, you know, we did, you know, did do the chaotic 11, didn't we? I think, I think, I think we did. Do you know what it is? The thing about, like, actually, well, very quickly on this, because we're going to get other stuff, but, Carnu's goal against Spurs, is that not the most instant oh, example oh of God. chaos? In the FA Cup? No, I mean, no, the one who flips over, is that the FA Cup when he flips over the defender Oh no, spins. that's a league game. That is that game. one. Well, I was thinking, because, do you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of the goal against Chelsea in the FA Cup at Highbury. Oh, With okay, that okay. weird little like drag through and you're just like, <laughs> do you remember the dummy? How, how, has he, how has he got through there? <laughs> do you remember Carnu's dummy against Deportivo? when he yes. doesn't touch the ball and sits the guy down. And I have mm. to, li- as it, Songo, I think it was in goal. I think it was Songo, I'm not sure. But I remember watching that dummy. Ryan, I've rewatched that goal. I can't, I've lost dozens of times and I still cannot tell you the precise dummy he sells to make the person fall over. Like it's so clever. It's so subtle. Yeah, anyway, Carn- we, yeah. instead of talking about Carnu, we need to talk ah, about Canada. And uh, there we go, there we go. Shout Good out Adrian, Adrian, so shout out Adrian Chung, who said uh, this doesn't count as a question. I just want flowers for Canada and Davies, top of yeah, the absolutely. table after a classic tilt at the Ice Tecker. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, this hashtag was incredible. By the way, the it's so good, so much fun. Okay, so they don't own the championship belt for celebrations yet, but they are top of their group and they are playing extremely well. And mm. it is tight, though. I don't think anyone is nailed on yet. But they should, I mean, they, at this point, they should, they should, they should close it out from here, I would think. Yeah. But I mean, you saw with the USA, like the USA, what, uh, drawing away at Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. Michal Antonio with an absolute. I like the way now he's, he's, uh, you know, now he's, now he's blown up. He's, he's not Mikhail anymore. He's Mihail. Yeah. <laughs> what a strike. Before we move on from this bunch of stuff, Nate Ashburn, what is wrong with Mexico? I do not know. Do you think it's just a natural kind of downward curve? I think when you've got a core of players or a group of players on whom you've relied to brought you a measure of success and consistency, the decline is almost imperceptible. And then you just, the problem is at first, you just keep losing the tight games and you think, oh, well, the next game will kind of, will overcome them. And to be fair as well, even Mexico might look at this and be like, well, the conditions are so brutal Mm. that, we might not even be able to draw. I mean, look at like Bolivia beating Uruguay, like Bolivia beating Uruguay or Ecuador winning altitude. You know, these things you're like, well, can you, you can almost describe those to conditions. But I think mm. with Mexico, it is a longer term thing. They just seem to lack the, the decisiveness, the cutting edge, which is weird because even in the Gold Cup games, they were pretty impressive against the US. I think the question is more, they're losing the arm wrestles. They're losing the 50-50s. And that, that's the cliche, I know, but it's they're losing this sort of decisive. And I don't know, to be honest, what the challenge is there. I couldn't tell you. Let's take a break and we'll do some more questions after this. Yep, yep. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, man, let's get through a couple of other international questions before we move on. I mean, obviously we need to shout out people. We need to shout out Wales. We need to shout out Scotland. Yeah. I think these players are going to be tricky, you know. Like we were saying before about that CONCACAF thing, about how I don't think anyone's particularly nailed on. If you look at the breakdown of sides that are in the playoffs, obviously they're a seeded team. So seeded teams, Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden, Wales. Unseeded teams, Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria, Czech Republic. Czech Republic are a horrible team to get. But they I, don't, I wouldn't, if I, was, if I was a seeded team, I wouldn't fancy any of those unseeded teams. Yeah, but, they, but they're, at a, all. They're, they're preferences. You don't want to be complacent. But mm. my goodness, the Czech Republic, they are a scorpion. So only three of those sides will go through to the World Cup. Uh, draw takes place next week. Oh, you're right. Those are hot. Do you know Ryan? Horrible, man. I wouldn't fancy any of those. Sweden, Sweden. Do you know what? I know. Sc- even because think about Sweden. Sweden is scary because Sweden can sit deep as you like and shut you out or just, or just hammer you on the front foot. It's like Spain and Swe- Spain against Sweden, Spain against Poland in the Euros were two completely different teams or performances. Mm. That's a horrible. Yeah, you're right. That's not nice at all. Let's do a couple of things relate, relating to... <laughs> I'm, I'm scared now. I'm not even playing. <laughs> Moose is just staring into the distance. Uh, Jordan Rizzieri. Jordan says, maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but I was surprised that there wasn't more commentary on England's win over San Marino being un- quote-unquote unsportsmanlike for the score. Considering, yeah, considering how like the US the women's, US team, women's yeah. national team got in the group stage of the last World Cup. Any thoughts there? Now, I think there's a bit of a historical context here with, with San Marino. Historically, they've England have always had big wins against San Marino. Always mm. seem to get drawn against San Marino as well. Yeah. I mean, they are the lowest ranked men's team in the world, right? Yeah. But to be honest, even, 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 even the World Cup semi-final, like the famous example of like Brazil, Germany, 7-1 in a semi-final of a World Cup. And Germany actually, they did, it, they did actually they ease did off. They did take like, the foot off yeah. the grass. Yeah. Like we, could have gone, we could have gone to 10, but these players yeah. are so broken, we can't go after Which is incredibly, incredibly gracious because yeah. I, don't think, I don't think every team does that. No, I don't. I mean, I think England kind of did that against Albania. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing with San Marino was a lot of players in San Marino, they would have, it would have been their first goal for the country. It was a great opportunity. It was. A, I mean, Jude Bellingham had an off, had a goal disallowed for offside. That would have been well, not not for offside, but I think a foul in the build up, maybe mm. offside. But Jude Bellingham, that would have been his first goal for the country. So I could see from that perspective. I think Emil Smith Rowe got his first goal. Yeah, I can see why it was an opportunity actually to just get get off the mark here. Um, mm. But Jordan, you're right. There was definitely a double standard in terms of the way the goals were greeted. The goals were greeted generally by the commentators as a demonstration of English superiority, maybe even genius. Whereas when the US women's team did it, there was, I think, and I will say it's probably a bit of a gendered element of 
oh, this is unladylike. There was an element of it being unladylike. My goodness, that we haven't seen. Do you think there was anything to do with the celebrations as well? Um, maybe a bit of it. Maybe a bit. I think because, I think Megan Rapinoe set the tone when she was like, you know, I deserve, that whole of, I deserve this energy. It's the knowledge that in the women's game, because the inequalities that even caused the tournament to take place, right? Like, it, to even be at that tournament, given the inequalities was something. Mm. And so to, to finally get there against all odds, I mean, you saw what Argentina went through, to get there against all the odds and then just get absolutely dumped upon. I think it was a sense of, it didn't feel very collegiate. Mm. So from that perspective, I can get what people kind of, I can get people like, you know what, like these people to even be at the tournament, given the financial constraints is remarkable. Whereas in the men's game, there's so much more financial support. It's like, if you're getting beaten 10 nil, you've at least got infrastructure that allows you to be within this. That's a really discriminatory thing to, for commentators or commentary to expect the women's game to be more collegiate. I agree. No, I agree. That's, I, quite I, I, that's quite patronizing. Actually. No, I agree. I agree. I agree, yeah. Ryan. I agree. I agree. I'm saying that. No, I'm, I'm saying not pulling that, you up on that. I'm just saying that I think I'm that, saying that's that, the I'm thing. saying it's a I think that the yeah. response is very gendered because no one looks at, like I say, the men's, I think I said this on Twitter as well. It's very interesting because they absolutely, in the words of Ian, it cooked the US women's team for doing the same thing the men's team did. And the men's team was just applauded. It's like, oh my God, it's 10. Like there was excitement. There was excitement that it got to 10 goals. Yeah, I think it's, it's a double standard. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. We had a couple of questions in terms of various confederation qualifying, right? Mm. Josh Hedge says, which confederation would you least want to go through for World Cup qualification? Come the ball looks like a gauntlet, but the CAF system seems ruthless. And Gavin Lippman says, all things considered, competition format, difficulty of opponents, travel, away matches and fans, playing conditions, etc. Which region of the world do you believe is the most difficult to qualify for the World Cup from? I would say CAF and Commonwealth. I yeah, CAF just because the rounds you go through, the fact that huge teams can go out early because uh, the relative shortage of places. You look at like Commonwealth, the distances and the variation in climates. The fact a team can. I remember there's a, there's a famous qualifier years ago. They went Ecuador beat Brazil one nil. Uh, Rivaldo was it's a good it was a good Brazil team, but you're playing at altitude. You're gasping for breath. Mm. Uh, this is why I think the Libertadores as a tournament is so epic because you're mm. going to grounds with like tiny capacities in different parts of the continent. It's a real odyssey. So yeah, I would say CAF and then Commonwealth. Also the problem as well with CAF is, I hate to say it, this is, I don't want to throw people under the bus, but the variation in some of the local in the officiating at the moment, you know, what happened to Ghana? What happened well, to South Africa? What happened the to of, South Africa, so, yeah. South Africa. <laughs> You know, that, that award, that penalty award is absolutely awful. You're, you're basically like determining the fate of a group of players for the next four years and there's no review and officiating like that is, is, is variable. So that, that was a real problem, I think. Um, I think also just the, um, the kind of almost like the geopolitical variations in Africa. Yeah. The coup in Guinea, um, when Morocco, I think Morocco were there to play the game, right? Right. And the coup happened while they were yeah. there. They managed to yeah. get out okay. You know, this is just stuff that you don't deal with in a lot of other confederations. Yeah. I think the thing is, the problem with CAF as well as the inequalities in Commonwealth, like mm. the inequalities in, in, in player earnings, so the logistics of getting players from A to B, taking time away. And like, that, that's, why, that's, why you ha that's why you've had historically people like Sadio Mani like helping out financially mm. in, with, a, with infrastructure or people like Samuel Etu helping out with with plane tickets, you know, that, mm. that's the level that like African players have to take extra responsibility. 
which yeah. you don't have to have in other places. But if you um, look at the qualif- yeah. if you look at the, the the teams in UEFA going to the playoffs, listen to what what it's like for CAF. Pot one: Senegal, Morocco, Algeria, Nigeria, Tunisia. Pot two: Egypt, Ghana, Mali, Cameroon, Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> brutal, absolutely brutal. So you only five of those go through. Remember. Which actually kind of leads us nicely on to a, a ne- next question, if you don't mind, if I move on. Let's do it. Our good friend, Justin Salhani, shouts to Justin. Yeah, yeah, great writer. Said there was a certain Twitter thread going around uh, about UEFA not getting enough places at the World Cup. Do you guys have any particular views on the allocations of World Cup places? And uh, Kieran Williams tagged onto that saying, um, my question is sort of related, so I thought I'd put it here. If you could remake the World Cup, what would you do to it? It definitely wouldn't be every two years, put it that way. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I like every, um, maybe, maybe every three, maybe every three. Tricky though. Yeah, it is. true. I mean, a four feels good because four feels sufficiently epic. It gives a sense of occasion. I do like the four. I, I do like every four years. I think you can build, I think the thing about every four years is it's an appropriate level of grandeur. Might change, I suppose, just the amount of, re- uh, What's the recovery time that players get? I mean, the schedule is already rammed. So the schedule, schedule I think, is so I th- hectic. I think think about scheduling. I think that'd be the key. There's a part of me, there's a chaotic part of me that would rather not have home and away qualifiers. But when we have like games at neutral venues, for example, for the full chaos. For qualifying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you asked me if, you asked me what I wanted. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest, like, I don't know if I always like the home and away thing. I just like how to mix it up. Like Everyone listening, you know when sometimes someone you've known for a long time, who you respect, you love, you admire, and yeah. they say one thing and you just think, has the mask just slipped? Straight knockout. Just straight knockout. Have qualifiers instead of groups, just have like knockouts. <laughs> oh my God. You, you know what? Chaos you wise, see, you see chaos makes qualifying chaos. like the old European Cup. That's what I'm saying. You see, I'm, you see the vision. You see the vision. See now, now if, that if if, if, Arsene, <laughs> if you know if Arsene Wenger had come out with that, that would have been like at least I get it. At that least I, I get it. I can get on board with that for sure. Like knockout style, knockout style for places. Just been off the just been off the Nations League and actually turned World Cup qualifying into a big big like tournament. Right, exactly. To even qualify, you have to have. And do you know what you could do? You could actually just <laughs> like UEFA love dropping teams into other tournaments, right? So then, actually, this is the way that you get um, lower ranked nations into tournament football. You then essentially create a World Cup of like the Champions League and the the Europa League. Now so you basically, see it. you see the vision. You could have a World Cup going on the same year that the World Cup happens. You could maybe have another tournament that has lower ranked teams who could qualify for it. That happens it's, just before the World Cup happens. It's a vibe, isn't it? It's actually it's a like vibe. It's like a warm-up think, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a two-week mini tournament that happens as, like a, as, a, as a lead-in tournament to it. There you go. And everyone's happy. See, if, that, that's, if, that, if that doesn't work, don't come at me because I've literally just thought of that on the fly. I haven't put, I've, I imagine I've probably put as much thought into it as, you, as FIFA did before they came out with the two-year World Cup. But, but isn't, that, isn't that like a vibe though? If you think about yeah. that, it's like, yeah. 
Italy, Uruguay, straight knockout in Denmark, in Copenhagen. <laughs> 30% each from like fan bases from Italy and Uruguay and the rest like locals or just fans drawn at random throughout UEFA. Actually, do you know what? I think you're onto something there. I think the way that you could remake the World Cup, I'd have to, I genuinely have to think about it because I know that logistics wise, it would probably be a nightmare. Also emissions wise. In a world in, where... Well, yeah, in emissions in, in a, wise. In, yeah, in, a world, a world, in a world, okay, this is also like in a world where... In a perfect world, everything is where carbon we, neutral. Where, where in the 1970s we've been like, oh my goodness, renewable energy is the way forward, and we hadn't listened to like lobbyists, and we just sorted it. So in a, in a world where we'd sorted out renewables and high speed rail, yeah. So Karen, continue. Yeah, you could expand the World Cup and just make it straight knockout. That's you get more teams there. Obviously, the, a lot of those teams will only play one game. But yeah. what if there's a there are a few upsets? You could have a team go to the final a little 32. bit of a run. And go yeah. to the final 32. Yeah, exactly. Like Europa League style. Just like the final 32, the final countdown. Honestly, the ratings for that, the vibes, the teams, the matchups, you would just have, because you, you would get surprises. You would get surprises. I mean, I quite, li- I quite like the World Cup as it is, if I'm being honest. I wish I think, that yeah. there were more teams. I wish, for example, like Africa got more teams and I wish that there weren't so many going from UEFA, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't make the rules, man. I just do a podcast. It's not my job. It's not my job. It's well above my pay grade. I think if you put a hell of a lot more funding into infrastructures for like national federations, you might get more people flipping this to is it. Right. countries Thank of their heritage. You. So if you Thank basically, you. so yes. a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't do it because they're like, oh, well, my country doesn't have the infrastructure. It's come to my heritage, come to my birth, and there's that whole thing. So if you put money to infrastructures, people start choosing countries with their heritage and you get more balance just in terms of you know just the it's the quality. same it's the same as what we've talked about like how we would reform the champions league in terms of you have to play a long game it's not a quick fix like doing the world cup every two years for example isn't going to fix anything it, but what you what you can do and if you were genuinely committed to it but people don't do this because it takes time it takes resources and it takes way too much joined up thinking yes if you look at the voting breakdown for who voted for the qatar world cup 2022 and you look at what has subsequently happened to those people who voted in awarding that World Cup. Just ask yourself, do I have any faith in an organisation that willingly brings a group of individuals like these together to do any kind of joined up thinking for the long term? Right, exactly. I'm not going to pretend to know all of you, but I would quietly, confidently say, I think the answer would be no. The answer is no. (laughs) I think it might be no. So, I mean, but that's, that's the thing. I think if you, if you really commit to a, to a a long term level of infrastructure and, and and yes, at various confederations, it is quite often that finances and resources get abused, let's say, but you have to govern. If you go, if you're the football's governing body, then fucking govern. Right. Do you know what I mean? Real talk. Do the work guys. Do the damn work. Can I just say, I love how we did like a sort of, we kind of did a, a FIFA what if, didn't we just then? I think we've just fixed football. We have. We've just fixed football. Um, no, I mean, that, there's probably a load of holes in our fake plan there, but I, I, I think that that's the kind of thing that I would go down. Okay, let's move away now from World Cup qualifying and let's do some fun questions to wrap. Okay, Zach Pakleb. Oh, Zach, he's over in Vegas, I think. 
Yeah, good lad. One of my favourite things about combat sports are walkout songs. So if teams or managers could have a walkout song, who would come out to what? In other words, what's the pettiest possible option <laughs> for Jose Mourinho? Oh, Atleti would come out. Teams do have walkout songs. Like, Atleti should use but, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Only because watching Thor, Ragnarok, yeah, and the way, okay. the, yeah, that scene where like Thor becomes the god of thunder, I think that would be amazing. I mean, you could go for the Imperial March, Ratlety. Nah, it's too nailed on. It's too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but why? Why not? <laughs> Atleti, Atleti Anfield, definitely, definitely Atleti Anfield. I mean, I'm going to go. Um, I don't know. Actually, it's a tough one. Pep's Barcelona was the theme tune to Inception, without question. It's a tough question. That for Jose. Um, yeah, that's a good one. See, I think he'd go for something really overcompensating. See, someone like Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti would come out to like, like Ludovic Arnaudi or something. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like just something above the fray, calm, gentle, sedate. Oh, do you know what Jose's would be? It'd be satisfaction by the Rolling Stones because that guy cannot get any satisfaction he can't, he whatsoever. Can't, he can't. He can't. <laughs> no, no, not at he all. He can't. It's satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. That's it. He, he, he gets no satisfaction anymore from football. Or maybe, <laughs> do you think, maybe he'd come out to Tiny Dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think satisfaction is a good shout because it's like he would, because Mourinho is kind of like hashtag man of the people. So he'd come out to something which was like, he would come out to some kind of dad rock without question. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nailed on. That's quite funny. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Actually. Intro music. There's a whole other genre, isn't there? Um, We've had this question, I think, before, but... Sorry, just thinking, Nigeria, Nigeria coming out to Reckless by WizKid is perfect, is perfect. Uh, we had this question from the great podcast, Two Girls Talk Balls. If you don't listen to that podcast, it's really good. Great women's football podcast. Uh, performance of Women's Football Weekend. I would say in the Super League, I'm going to go for a Super League thing. I'd probably say... Aaron Cuthbert. Oh, individual, individual performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, that, I mean, that, well, Chelsea what? collectively, I'd say. Yeah. Or maybe. I, mean, <clears> I, think, <throat> I, think, I think it's Wolfsburg, actually. Wolfsburg over Bayern, over I would Bayern. say. Yeah, only because nice. of the context. Only because of what it, don't get me wrong. Chelsea was, was top of the, the table most, clash. Chelsea was the most accomplished performance. Mm. But I think Wolfsburg's was the performance in terms of what it meant. I would say that really. Nice. Aaron Cuthbert. Great, although I, it's one of those things where it's the late stages of the tournament, isn't it? It's the wide areas. I know we said this before, but like it's it's what's going to happen defensively in wide areas for Chelsea. But we'll see. Fingers crossed for them. But we'll see. Uh, no, I'm an Arsenal fan. No fingers crossed for Chelsea. <laughs> Not after the way Emma Hayes treated me last week. That's true. She came for you. She came for all of our. To be honest, she came for all the Arsenal fans. It was hilarious. Yeah, she but, really went yeah. in. She really went in. It was she only when I thought back, I was like, lady. wow. I was like, wow. She was on it every like couple of minutes. <laughs> the thing I loved about it was that she kept just following up with soz, soz. <laughs> and then she did it again and again. <laughs> we had a couple of book questions. Alexander Luckman, what are your favourite football books? And Pippo Mustachio, great name. What's the one football book you would recommend to everyone? You can only pick one. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's difficult. Only pick one. 
I think it's an obvious one for me. I really think it's Fear and Loathing in La Liga by Sid Lowe. I love that book so much. It's amazing. Well, because it's everything. It's history and it's football. It's just so good. It's so good. I can't think of many football books that give you absolutely everything Mm. with regards to a rivalry like that. I just can't. I can't, you know. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. For those who don't know about it, it's about the rivalry between Real Madrid and Barcelona. But it goes all the way back to through the Spanish Civil War and stuff like this, the Franco era, politics, the Cruyff stuff, the Stefano stuff. It's it's amazing. It is absolutely brilliant. It's funny because literary football writing is something that did not get a lot of credit for a long time. And Sid is a master at it. Yeah, he's like a doctor in life. He's got a doctor. I mean, he is literally like, a doctor, right? History. Yeah, Dr. he's a doctor. Doctor Low, yeah. Sydney Low. Um, that's a great shout. I think at one level, I think of like Renus Mikels and team building, just because mm. it's so hard. It's so hard to get hold of. It's so hard to get hold of that book. Like it's sold out so often. It's out of print all the time. I think I've lost my copy. Not sure mine is, but that's just about the concept of like why teams matter. I've got one. I have mine somewhere. Where is that? Um, David Winner, Brilliant Orange, and also the, there's also the kind of the um, Ajax Barcelona Cruyff, the interviews of Johan Cruyff, which is amazing. It's just interviews with Cruyff. Cruyff, my turn is quite funny, actually, just because he's like, you know, there's like a paragraph on the Cruyff turn, I think two or three paragraphs on the like three in a row Ajax European Cups, and then there's about 18 pages dedicated to what the fuck is wrong with Ajax. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just Cruyff having a rant. It's a good book, but it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's a fun book to read. No, I think Fear and Loathing in La Liga is my, my, probably my favourite football book. I of think all I'll time. have to go. I thought I'll have to go with um, David Willis' Brilliant Orange about the nice. Dutch. I think that's the one. Fanel Green says, let's get romantic. Who is one team that you'd want to lead to Champions League glory, either as a player or a manager? Atleti. They've suffered enough. Okay. As a manager? Yeah. Wow. All of a sudden, all of the Atleti ultras are hideously left wing. <laughs> Flip them all. Flip them all. <laughs> I would just love to see them happy. I would just love to see that that club has given so much to football and they've fallen short three times and each time it's been pretty heartbreaking. I don't know if a team has ever touched the hem of glory so often and been so heartbroken. So yeah, I'd like to get them over the line, I would say. i go for Ajax. That's lovely. I mean, they, they've only become, I mean, Ajax have obviously already tasted it, but I think the whole context of it, for Ajax also to win again would be so great, wouldn't it? I think that's it. I think returning. Yeah. I think actually now, and I, I think for some clubs ret- who have got rich histories, returning to the glory is almost more special than new clubs who are winning it for the first time with huge resources. I agree. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. So I go for Ajax. There's part of me that would love to see a kind of, you know, a Cinderella victory, like a team that was just unfancied and just came together for, let's say like a three-year run. And the culmination of that three-year run was like them winning and then like they all disband either retirement or so like a last, like a last dance type thing, like with Inter in 2010, which was a quite, it was romantic in a different way because it was players who'd kind of been they were brilliant, but a lot of them had kind of underrated. They had a chip on their shoulder. So I, I love victories like that, I suppose. I reckon that'll do us for today. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Shout out to Nantes. Nantes. 
Yeah, how about that? Nantes. That'd be oh, nice. Wow. There we go. Oh my. <laughs> pulled out oh a take my. in the end. Always pulls out a take. Sorry we didn't get to all the questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted them. Uh, we'll do another mailbag soon. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to leave you all to it. Gosh, Napoli. Napoli for the Champions League. Oh, now you've got me dreaming. Carry on. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Ringer FC. Musa will have something up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Stadio Archer's place on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're, we're playing out on one we've already played out on before. Midori Hirano, track called November. We were thinking about playing out on a thing by Young Dolph, who sadly passed away, but we didn't have clearance. So we're going to play out on something mellow. Midori Hirano, a repeat. We've played out on it before, but it is November. And this tune is called November. And it's a beaut. So we're going to leave you with this. Anything else you want to add, Mr. McGonga? Nothing further. You're Hannah. Much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then. Thank you.